course, that's really, uh, we got folks from like New York, right? Who's from Indiana, right? You guys from Indiana, so we can't complain too much about the cold weather in Tennessee with folks like that. Of course, I grew up in New Hampshire, so I know a little bit about the cold weather, but still, it's, it's, uh, it is starting to feel a little cool out there, so. Um, but um, let's see. Well, we've got a few announcements today. So um, uh, in the back after the service, there's some free tomatoes there. Uh, and um, help yourself to those. And then, uh, of course, it's getting close to the end of the month. Uh, and um, uh, so normally we have at least one church meal a month. And so um, uh, and it's usually the first Sunday of the month. But when it gets around uh, different holidays and stuff, we may make adjustments. So we're going to have our church meal on uh next Sunday, uh, so Sunday the 21st, and, um, and of course then after that is Thanksgiving, so, um, and I don't think, uh, we haven't got anybody assigned to do the dessert yet for the firemen, so every time, we, uh, you're going to do it, Johnny? All right, so Johnny said, so every month when we have a church meal, we, we take uh, a dessert over to the firemen, really to just to bribe them, uh, but uh, we, we say that they were thanking them for all their service, but you know, we want to get in good with them, and we had planned to do the same thing for the police department, but they're closed on Sundays. So, um, and um, uh, they've never not accepted our, our uh, desserts over at the fire department. Have they? Uh, so we volunteer. Someone volunteers each month to, to uh, make a dessert, and we take it over to the firemen, and they're always glad to see us come over there. And so, uh, <clears throat> one of these days, you know, uh, uh, what I'd like to do is I would, and I don't know if it is possible or not, but uh, if we can find out who's in charge over there, you know, maybe we just invite the whole fire department over to here, you know, uh, for one of our church meals. Uh, and so, of course, I think there's only usually a few guys over there anyway, right? But um, uh, so we'll make a, have to make a note of that and see if they'd be interested in coming over and having a church meal. They may not be able to do that because, you know, they have to be close by, but they're pretty close by even if they're here, right? They, they're radio reach over to here from there, so. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk to them at some point in time, see if they be interested in doing that, just to be a blessing to them. So, uh, so that'll be next Sunday. And uh, is there any kind of a theme for the? That's well, Thanksgiving, right? So Thanksgiving food. So uh, I know we're uh, uh, making some hams. And so, uh, is there a sign-up sheet? Yeah. So there'll be a sign-up sheet back there. So if you want to go back there and see uh, what uh, people have signed up to bring. That way we don't get uh, six plates of uh, cranberry sauce, which, of course, I'm a big fan of cranberry sauce, but um, I'm not sure if I'm a big fan of six plates of cranberry sauce, right? So, uh, but just bring whatever you want to. And, and, you know, there's always plenty of food, so um, just come in and enjoy the uh, time of fellowship there. So, and I guess uh, also we have a few birthdays, right? So Mr. Stanley's had a birthday already, uh, and then uh, Ms. Page has got a birthday, so she's back in the children's church there. Uh, Miss Sandra and Miss Diane, right? The mom's birthday is November the 26th. And um, anybody else got a birthday in November, anniversary in November? Uh, and so um, happy uh, birthday to everybody. And um, I don't think we got any other announcements, right? Uh, we did have, um, um, uh, I think, uh, well, I don't guess we told you because it, it happened pretty quick, but uh, uh, Dora's sister, uh, Brenda, passed away kind of suddenly this week, and so we had a memorial service uh, yesterday for her here at the church. So just uh, be praying for the family, and, and um, uh, a lot of times uh, she'd been sick for a long time, I think several years, and several people in her family were caregivers for her, and that's, you know, kind of a 24-hour-a-day job many times, and then suddenly when, when that family member passes, especially if it's real sudden like it was 
you know, a lot of times the people that are left behind that feel real lost, right? They don't really know, you know, what do I do now? I've been doing this, you know, every day, all day long. And, and I know many people that have done that over the years. And, uh, and you have to kind of find yourself back again. You know, what do I do with myself? You know, I don't have to have a schedule. I don't have to, you know, prepare something for somebody or care for somebody. And so many times the folks that are left behind, they, you know, they have uh, a time period where they got to kind of find out what to do with their own lives now. So be praying for the family and the folks that have been left behind uh, for Miss Brenda there. So, all right, praise God. Um, uh, I'm going to read a verse this morning. I was just thinking about this. Uh, we were talking about revival on uh, Wednesday. Of course, uh, uh, we had um, uh, Larry and Angela Keaton from Tulsa, Oklahoma, come visit with us, and um, uh, they had, uh, 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 I guess Miss Angela had actually worked for Brother Hagen directly and was an editor of some of his books, and they had traveled over to Poland and stayed in Poland for a couple of decades, I think about 20 years or so. Uh, establishing churches and building um, Bible schools over there, uh, and then they're back in the United States and traveling in the ministry in the United States. So they were here with us on Wednesday, and uh, she was talking about revival, and it was really a good message for the church. So, and I encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to be here, you know, the message is available online. If you go to our website, you can listen to it as a podcast, or you can click a link and watch the video of it as well. Uh, and so all those available online. Uh, but, um, uh, I'm going to read this verse here in the book of James, and it says in, in James chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, of the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. And so uh, the husbandman here is the Lord. You know, the Lord is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And the part that I just wanted to encourage you about is he calls all the lost people of the world the precious fruit of the earth. Uh, and even though, you know, if they all died today, they wouldn't make it to heaven. But uh, his desire is that they become fruit of the earth and come into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and so when he looks at them, he sees them as precious fruit. He doesn't see them as wicked, terrible people on their way to hell, and he's mad at them. And, you know, the wrath of God was consumed at the cross. Uh, and so it's, it's not, uh, he's not uh, trying to pour out wrath upon all of these lost people. He's trying to pour out his mercy upon all the lost people. Uh, and the way he sees them, he sees them as precious fruit. Uh, and so that should encourage us whenever we see somebody that's not in church, that's not been to church, and not accepted Lord Jesus, uh, we shouldn't see them as, well, you know, they're just a sinner on the way to hell. We should see them as precious people, precious fruit of the earth, because that's what the Bible calls them. Uh, and so it should help us to, you know, sometimes we get around church people all the time, and, you know, I love being around church people, but sometimes we get around church people all the time, and we think unchurched people are just, you know, beneath us or not as good as us. And, you know, we always need to make sure we check our own pride and self-righteousness so that we don't get involved in that. We should see see these people the way the Lord sees them, and he sees them as precious fruit. Amen? Uh, and so I'd encourage you as, you, as you're walking in the world and walking, you know, at work or, you know, uh, you go to Walmart, you know, whatever you, wherever you go in your life, uh, when you see somebody and, and maybe you know they're unchurched or maybe you know that they're not saved, uh, see them as precious fruit. Amen? Uh, and uh, that'll help us to... to desire to encourage them to get into the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. Raising their little rock hands, worshiping the Lord, you know. I don't know what that looked like, but uh, he said it happened, so, you know, uh, I just have to take him at his word. Amen? Uh, and so, praise God. Well, let's uh, open up our Bibles to the book of uh, Mark, chapter 16. We'll get started today. today. 
and we've been talking about the anointing of God and um, uh, the the intent of this uh, series of messages is really to help us learn how to work with the Spirit of God. And so uh, our foundation scripture is here in Mark chapter 16, and he said after he completed the Great Commission and explaining to the disciples what he wanted them to do after he left the earth, he said in verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they, talking about all the disciples, went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the Lord with signs following. Uh, and so, if you, you can look at this verse, you can go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 9, how that we are labors together with the Lord. Uh, and so, I think one of the things that the church has really missed it in the area of, of uh, being on this earth is that we're here on this earth, and while we're here on this earth, we are supposed to be working with the Lord, working with Him side by side in the work that we do. And it's not just in ministry, because... Um, in one sense, all of us are called to the ministry of reconciliation, which means we're just all called to tell the world that they've been reconciled to the Lord. So all of us have been called to that. But whatever you're called to do, you know, if you have a nine to five job or, you know, eight to six or whatever it is, you know, maybe you're 10 on and 10, 10 off, you know, um, whatever your whatever your career is that you're working, you know, the Lord has assigned that those talents and gifts to you in the earth. And so if he's assigned those talents and gifts in you in the earth, then he, then he is willing and desiring to work with you and doing that. Uh, and so it's not that God only works with us during, you know, 10.30 a.m. to 12 uh, p.m. on Sunday mornings and the one time a week or a month or a year that we witness to somebody, and, and other than that, he's not working with us. No, whatever you're called to do on this earth, he's there working with you, and the Spirit of God is upon you. If you go back even in the Old Testament and read about the preparation for the tabernacle, when Moses was building the, the tabernacle, or even later on when Solomon was building the temple, it says that, that the Spirit of God put wisdom into the hearts of, of men uh, and, and people, because some of them are women too, the uh, hearts of men and women, uh, in order to do the work of the temple. And so he, uh, if they were embroiderers, because a lot of they had these big, uh, you remember in the temple they had those big uh, veils there, you know, 20 feet tall, uh, and uh, made out of whatever material they were made out of, and, and he says he put the Spirit of God in the people to know how to do that. So the talents to know how to sew that, right? Uh, and I can sew a button on, you know, every now and then I'll you know, I sew a button on, you know, and I feel like I've really accomplished something in life. Well, these people were sewing these massive uh, embroidered uh, veils for the temple of the Lord God. And then all the, all the builders of the temple, all the builders of the, the uh, construction of the temple itself, all the wood, and the, the Bible says that, they, were, they went off-site to build all the pieces, and then they, they built it in such a way so that when they brought the wood and the materials on-site, there were no hammers. Uh, so I don't know how they did it. You know, I guess it's like, like maybe that was the first Legos they ever built, right? There were no hammers because they didn't want the sound of that to dishonor the Lord. So however they built it, however they constructed those in individual pieces, the Lord had to put the wisdom into the hearts of these men and women to build those things so that they could do it in the way that the Lord desired. And then after they, they built the, the outside of the, of the temple, then the Lord put the wisdom of the people in to build all the utensils, all the gold utensils and all the different pieces, you know, to, to uh, worship the Lord inside the temple. So uh, it's not that the Lord only reserves his spirit to work with us in times of, quote, being spiritual, like at church or you know, in, in, in the times when we're witnessing to us, uh, to people, uh, 
we have a, we have the right and a privilege as New Testament Christians to work with the Lord in all that we do and everything that we uh, say, everywhere that we go. Uh, and if we would learn to work with him, then really there's no limit to how successful we can be on this earth. And it's not so much about whoever dies of the most toys wins, but we want to be good employees. We want to be uh, good at what we do. We want to be successful at what we do. Uh, and there's no better way to do that than to lean upon the revelation of, of the Spirit of God. Uh, and so the Lord wants to work with us because the primary thing we want to do is learn how to work with them so that when we do minister to people, when we do speak to people about the Lord, that we've trained ourselves, oh, well, that's the same way the Lord works me in my day-to-day -day work. That's the way the Lord works me when I'm going to Walmart. The Lord, that's the way the Lord works with me when I'm sewing the, the embroidery for the temple. Uh, and, when, and then the next day when he wants you to witness to somebody, uh, then, uh, then we're used to it. We've trained ourselves how to work with the Lord. Uh, and that's really where we want to get to is to know how to work with the Lord. Uh, and so a lot of Christians work for the Lord. Well, they do things, right? They, they go to church or they do whatever they do, and they say, well, I'm doing it for the Lord, and, and that's fine. Uh, but that's not the best where the Lord wants the church to be. That He wants the church to be working with him each and every day in all that we do. Uh, and so we had gotten over to, let's turn over to Romans chapter 8. We'd gotten to Romans chapter 8, so we, we look, look at a couple more things here. The, the whole chapter of Romans chapter 8 uh, is really a good summary of, of a lot of different things that the Lord desires to do with the church. Uh, and so we had gotten down to uh, verse 14 here, where it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So he's, he's, telling, uh, he's telling us here, Paul is telling us the church, right? We are the church. The book of Romans is written to us, the church. And he's telling the church that, that uh, the, the goal is that we are led by the Spirit of God. Uh, and so that means we have the capacity to do that. Now, you know, if we're led, that means if somebody is leading, that means we have to be following, right? So, so uh, you ever been uh, leading somebody, you turn around and they're not there anymore? You know, you're, you're at the front of the pack and you, you, know, you ever go, like, go on a road trip, you know, and you're the, you're the pace car and you look back there, they're all gone, right? Where'd they go, right? Well, you know, maybe they stopped got gas, didn't tell you, right? And, and so, uh, you know, you're doing your part, but you look around and they're not doing that. And, and so uh, it's the same thing with the church. The Spirit of God is leading us, but we have to follow. We have to choose to yield to that leading. Uh, and so, you know, in the charismatic world, in a Pentecostal world that we live in, uh, being led of the Spirit is something that we, we hear a lot about. Uh, but there's a lot of, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of, a lot of, 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 uh, I don't know the best word to say, a lot of uh, crazy things that we say is the Lord is not really the Lord, right? Well, the Lord led me to do, led me to do that. Like, well, you know, that's not really the Lord, right? So uh, uh, we've got some other scriptures we're going to look at, but one of the things that I would encourage you to do, you know, maybe you've not been led by the Spirit of God much in your life or you don't really know how to do that. An easy way to learn how to start being led by the Spirit of God is make sure whatever you think the Lord is leading you to do, always, number one, judge it by the Word of God. Make sure whatever he's telling you to do, it doesn't not, does not violate any scriptural principle. Uh, and so it doesn't even have to be book, chapter, and verse. But, you know, if you do something and, uh, uh, and, and you just steal something, well, I needed it more than they did. Well, is that biblical? I mean, did you hurt somebody? You, you, you know, somebody else has to suffer for your benefit. Well, then that can't be the Lord, right? And yet, how many things have been done in, quote, the name of the Lord, right? Well, I did that. You know, the Lord led me to do that, right? The Lord told me to divorce my wife and go get another wife, right? Uh, and uh, no, he didn't tell you to do that, right? And, but, uh, and I have heard many people over the years come to me and say, well, the Lord told me this about you. 
I'm thinking, well, number one, I don't think the Lord's a gossip. And number two, I didn't do that, so how could the Lord have told you that I did that if I didn't do that? I was there. I know I was there. And I, I mean, one time they called me up. I was literally in France. I was on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. They called me up. Hey, did you do this? Uh, I'm in another country. Oh, well, you know, uh, uh, you know, and they implied that the Lord had told them that I'd done that. Like, well, I, I mean, I literally could not have done it. I wasn't even in the country. Uh, but then, you know, sometimes to cover ourselves, well, well, if you were here, you would have done it. You know, and so instead of apologizing, repenting for not being right, for, for making something up, they, well, you know, they're still trying to turn it on you. you know, well, you know, you probably would have done it if you were here. You know, like, well, you know, I probably would not have, but... Um, uh, and so I remember the, uh, I was reading some stuff after after John Wesley, and some woman came to him and just read him the riot act. You know, you're you're you know you're you're a glutton, you know, and you do all these things. And uh, and uh, and uh, John was not one to mince words with people. And he said, you know, if he said if you really had that word from the Lord, you would have come with a, a more proper word. For the Lord knows me better than that. Uh, and and, uh, and and you should read John Wesley if. Uh, uh, if you want to get some slack jerked out of your life, because he would just, you know, he would just jerk it out of people and just, you know, uh, and just say things. I got a whole list of, of uh, things that he said over the years, and um, I mean, it's amazing that the, the Methodist Church ever survived John Wesley because I mean, he just, I mean, he just rail on them, and uh, they still made it. So, praise God. But the Lord's desire is that the church, that we as individual Christians, are led by the Spirit of God. Uh, and now look, we can get that and be really flaky about it, you know. Well, he led me to, you know, I get up, well, he led me to wear this particular tie. No, you know why I wore this particular tie? Because, you know, we kind of matched the, the particular shirt that I wanted to wear, right? I mean, it, there was no skies parted or no words from heaven. It was just a tie, right? But, some, and, but sometimes we want to hyper-spiritualize everything. The Lord led me to do this. No, what you need to do is learn how to uh, be aware of the presence of the Lord. And if he desires to lead you into something, then you learn how to yield to that. And, and there's several examples that I want to look at in the scriptures related to that. But this, uh, this verse is just an amazing verse. I love this verse because it's an area that the church really doesn't know as much as they need to know about how to be led by the Spirit of God. Because he'll lead you out of danger. He'll lead you into situations that will be a blessing to you. He will lead you into situations that you can be a blessing to other people. Uh, he will lead you uh, into into all things. In fact, he said that he would, uh, he would uh, lead you and guide you in all truth. Uh, and so if you want to know where the truth is, then be led by the Spirit of God. So his desire is that we, that we are led by him. Amen. So if he's leading them, then what's our responsibility? We're supposed to follow, right? And so how do we, how do we learn to do that? Well, he gets down to verse 16. He's the, he says the Spirit itself, or really should say the Spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And this little verse right here, this verse is really what distinguishes the Christian church from every other religion in the world. So every other religion in the world says, you know, their God is God and our God is God, you know, and sometimes they got these little fat statues that that's God and they got these little trinkets, that's God. And, you know, if you go to uh, like the, the Indian continent, uh, they've got a couple hundred thousand gods, you know, you can pick and choose. They've got a God for this, a God for lunch, a God for breakfast, you know, they've got a God for everything, you know. Of course, you can't serve 250,000 gods, so let's pick and choose. Well, you know, I, I follow this particular God over here. Uh, and, but the problem with that, that, those gods are not alive, and they're not real, right? They're just made up uh, lumps of clay and stone. But, but uh, the, in the Christian church, it says that the Spirit itself or himself bears witness with our spirit. And so what does he bear witness to us? That we are the children of God. 
So when someone says, you know, are you a Christian? Uh, you say, well, yeah, well, how do you know? Well, the Spirit of God on the inside of me bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. Uh, and, and that's really the first step of learning how to be led by the Spirit of God is learning how to perceive uh, that knowledge on the inside of you that you are a child of God. And now if you're a Christian, you know, someone says, are you saved? Yeah. Well, how do you know? Well, I mean, hopefully you don't say, well, you know, I go to church. Well, that's not really how you know you, you're a Christian, right? You know, everybody who goes to church isn't necessarily a Christian. So, and, and coming to this building does not get you into heaven, right? Uh, I encourage you to come to the building, but that's not what gets you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is accepting the Lord Jesus and allowing the Spirit of God to dwell in you. Uh, and see, when he dwells in you, then he will bear witness with you, you're on your way to heaven. And see, there's a lot of people in the church, if you ask me, are you on your way to heaven? Well, we can't know. You know, uh, you can't know. Uh, but that's not what the verse says right there. The, the, the verse says that he bears witness with your spirit, your spirit, who you are, that you are, not maybe, not possibly, not roll the dice and see if it happens, uh, that you are absolutely 100% a child of God. So if someone asks you if you're saved, you know, that, that witness will bear, the Spirit of God will witness with you. Oh, yeah, I'm saved. Well, how do you know? I just know. Uh, and now, now the world doesn't understand that. The world thinks that you're crazy when you say things like that. But that's not what the, the Word says. Whatever the Word says, that's what we've got to go with. Amen. And so if he says, that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. This starts the day you get born again. This starts the very day you receive the Lord Jesus, that you have a, a, a spiritual witness on the inside of you. I'm a child of God. And, you know, that, that should help you because there's a lot of people uh, inside the church, outside the church, that are always trying to destroy your life. Well, who do you think you are? You're, you're no count. You're unworthy. You're not nearly as good as I am. And would try to make you feel inferior to them. You ever had somebody try to make you feel inferior to them? Uh, well, you know, you're unworthy. Oh, sorry, I didn't know you were worthy, right? I've not found anybody on the earth worthy to be worshipped, have you? I've met many people who think they're worthy to be worshipped, but I've not actually met anybody who's really worthy to be worshipped, amen? Uh, and so, but they will, try to, they will try to oppress you and try to get you to think that you're unworthy. But see, if you'll just yield to that witness on the inside of you, well, I, there's, no, I, there's no way I can be unworthy. I'm a child of God. And, that, you know, for me, that's one of the, the, one of the, has been one of the best things to encourage my own life. I'm a child of the living God. If you don't like me, I'm a child of God. How, how can you not liking me compete with I'm a child of God, right? How, how can you think poorly of me compete with I'm on my way to heaven. A king died for me. Blood was shed on my behalf. How, how could anything that you think about me compete with that? And see, if you'll allow that witness on the inside of you to, to, to bear witness with you, that unction of the Holy Spirit, that, that, that witness on the inside of you, from His Spirit to your spirit, then, then see, people can't control you. Because people will say those things with the intent of controlling your life, you know, making you feel bad, so that then, from that point on, your worth is wrapped up in whether or not they approve of you. Uh, and when you can get, break free from all of that mess and realize, well, I'm a child of God. If you don't like me, I'm still a child of God. If you love me, you know, I'm still a child of God. Uh, and uh, allow that Spirit of God to bear witness with you. So that's the very first step in your spiritual walk. Now, a lot of Christians, you know, I, I can ask, uh, there's a whole group of people I know right now, if you ask them, are they on the way to heaven? You know, can you know that you're on your way to heaven? They'll tell you, you can never know. You can't know until you push the doorbell there, and if Peter opens up, then you get to go in. If Peter says, sorry, you know, we're not, we're, we're not uh, receiving anybody today, then it's too bad. And they really believe that. And see, they've never read this verse. Because this verse says, right now, today, 
the Spirit of God bear witness with you that you are a child of God. So that means if you're a child of God, if you died physically, where would you go? You'd go to heaven, right? Uh, and so, uh, but there's a lot of folks who, who don't have that confidence. And, you know, part of it is they don't, they don't really read the Scriptures the way they should and, and understand what it says. It's not that hard to comprehend. Uh, and so, so this is step one. If you want to learn how to work with the Spirit of God, first of all, learn how to, how to perceive that His Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. See, if you can get to that step that, I, I know, well, how do you know? I just know. That's the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of God bearing witness with your spirit. See, if you, a lot of, even a lot of Christians who, who've done what they're supposed to do, right, believe in their heart, confess with their mouth, go up front, say the sinner's prayer, they've done all the things, they, they attend church, they do all those things, but they still don't really know. Uh, and for a person like that, you know, you've got to really talk to them a little bit more to find out did they really do those things, you know, and, and if they did, then, then you, don't, you don't have to have a feeling that you're a Christian, uh, but you can't have the perception that you're a Christian, Amen. And so it may be that they just have never learned to, to be quiet enough to listen to that perception. And one of the things about the Spirit of God is he's very quiet. He's not loud and boisterous like your neighbor, right? Uh, he, he's very quiet. And, and so you have to learn how to be still on the inside of you in order to perceive what he's saying. Uh, and so, now, you know, a lot of Christians will say, uh, that's crazy talk. Whatever you're saying is crazy talk. You know, God doesn't do that. But I didn't write the I didn't write the words, you know. The Lord said right there that He'll bear witness with our spirit, with your spirit, right? Uh, he's not going to bear witness with my spirit that you're a child of God. He's going to bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. Uh, and so there's just a, a few scriptures. I mean, I've got uh, I've got probably two dozen scriptures. There's no way I want to go through all of those. But there's a lot of scriptures which talks about how we learn to work with the Spirit of God in our day to day life. And so I want to look just look at a couple examples uh, with the Lord Jesus here. And then, then I want to look at uh, maybe Peter and, and Paul uh, and see a, a few examples of these things um, going on. And so um, I'm going to find out, uh, i got to decide here which one to, is, is a good one to, uh, to look at. Okay, let's turn to Luke at chapter 8. That would be a good one. Uh, so Luke chapter 8. And uh, so while you're headed to Luke chapter 8, I'm going to sneak over to, to Mark chapter 5 because I want to read that version of the same story in Mark chapter 5 first. And then we'll get back over to Luke chapter 8 because he gives us a little bit more insight uh, into these things. Uh, and so uh, if you want to visit with me over Mark chapter 5, that's fine. It's Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Uh, and it says, A, a certain woman uh, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things and many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. And when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind him and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. So this woman is a great uh, example of faith. We don't have time to go into all the, the, the process that she went through, but she, had a, she was a woman of faith, right? She, if, this, if I go and I get to Jesus, I'll be made whole. That's, that's the way a faith person talks, right? Uh, it will happen. And straightway, the fountain of her blood had, was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, that word virtue is uh, more often translated as power, a power had gone out of him, turned about him in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Uh, and his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and saith thou, Who touched me? Uh, and so he found a woman, right? Uh, and so the, the point that I want to talk about in, in, uh, for today is not so much about the woman, but, but how Jesus knew that this was going on. So now we can turn over to Luke chapter 8 and look at Luke's uh, version of this particular story here. Uh, 
Luke, 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 chapter 8. And, and so uh, let's start here in um, uh, verse 44. It says, uh, talking about the same story, same woman, it says, she came behind him and touched the border of his garment. So he couldn't see her, right, because she was behind him. Uh, and it immediately her issue of blood uh, dried up or stanched. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee, and pressed thee, and saith thou who touched me? Uh, and Jesus uh, uh, said in verse 46, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue or power again is gone out of me. So the, the point that I want to make in this particular verse is that when Jesus was on the earth, you remember in John chapter 5, and we don't have time to go into all those scriptures again, but in John chapter 5, a couple different times, he said, uh, something to the effect that I can of mine own self do nothing. right? So so Jesus did not operate as the Son of God. He was the Son of God, but the Bible says he laid all that aside. right? When he came to the earth, he operated as a man born of Mary. right? Uh, and while he was on the earth, he did no miracles until the River Jordan when the Spirit of God came upon him. And so he operated as a, as a Old Testament prophet with the Spirit of God upon him for the three and a half years that he was on the earth. Uh, and so uh, he was operating here then in that same capacity. He's operating as a, as a man of the earth. Remember uh, Luke 10, or, uh, Acts 10.38, how God anointed who? Jesus of Nazareth, right? So not Jesus, the Son of God, but Jesus of Nazareth, the one born of, of Mary. Uh, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Uh, and so here, Jesus is operating as a man uh, anointed of God. Remember what he, we read in, in Luke 4.18? You know, the Spirit of God is upon me, for he hath anointed me. So that's now that same Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus there in the River Jordan is the same Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. Not a different Holy Spirit, not a, not a lesser Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit. Amen? So, what, so part of the job of the Lord Jesus, his desire when he was on the earth, was to train his disciples to operate in, in ministry like he did. Because remember, he said uh, in different uh, places that the works that I do shall you do also. So it wasn't that it was, you know, I'm going to live my life and, and, and show you that I'm the son of God. And then too bad when I leave, you know, it'd be nice if you could all operate the way that I could, but uh, it's not going to happen. No, he said the works that I do shall you do also. And greater than these, in fact, he said, uh, shall you do because I go to the Father. So, so Jesus was training the disciples to watch me, see how I do it, and then follow suit when I leave. Uh, and then do it exactly the way, that, the way that I did it. So you remember after he left, what did he send? He sent the Holy Spirit, right? He said, it's expedient for you that, that I go away. Uh, he said, for if I go not away, then I can't send the Comforter. So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. After he left, he sent the Holy Spirit now to go to, into all the church, amen? And so now we have the Spirit of God in us. Uh, and so uh, here he said, I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. So, so one of the, the ways that we learn and we tr start training ourselves about working with the Holy Spirit is to perceive uh, things of the spirit realm. Uh, and here Jesus and I perceive. Now, he couldn't see her. She was behind him, right? She, in fact, she, she was probably crawling up behind him because she touched the hem of his garment. Uh, and so uh, with the, her particular sickness, she was required by Jewish law to claim unclean, unclean, and not to be around people. So she had to do it on the down low, right, where nobody could see her. She's sneaking up on Jesus. And, and her faith was not that Jesus would lay hands on her, that he would speak to her. Her faith was to touch the hem of his garment. And, and she did, and she got whole. But see, when that happened, 
the Spirit of God on, on the inside of Jesus gave him the perception or the awareness that something was going on. And he said, I perceive that something. Now, he didn't know. Why did he know? Because the Holy Spirit didn't tell him. The Holy Spirit gave him the perception that, that something had happened. But, you know, he, in fact, he said he looked around, right? And he asked, he asked the boys, right, hey, boys, who touched me? And they're like, what's wrong with you, Jesus? And then, of course, he ignored them because, you know, they're wasting time to talk to them. And so he kept looking around to find the woman. And finally, she, she did uh, fess up at what had happened. Uh, but see, here's, uh, here's a good example of how the Spirit of God works. Uh, he gave Jesus a perception that somebody had touched him. And that power, that, well, that power was just the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit came out of him and affected a healing and a cure in her. But see, uh, remember he said he can of himself do nothing. So he didn't have all knowledge uh, like he did as the Son of God. He came as a man, right? Born of a woman, the Bible says. Um, and so he was being led by the Spirit of God that somebody touched him, but that's as far as the Spirit of God went. Didn't tell him who it was. Didn't tell him if it was a man or a woman. Didn't tell him what, what the purpose of being touched was. But he knew somebody with faith had touched him. Uh, and, and that's another thing we can learn about working with the Holy Spirit, is he doesn't tell you everything, right? And he doesn't tell you every single thing beginning to end, right? Some people, you know, act like the Lord tells them every single thing there ever was. But, um, but part of and I think part of the reason why is because he desires us to walk by faith. Uh, and, uh, and we'll get into some, some of the ministry gifts here after a while, but it's just like, uh, you know, you ever, you ever had an unction or, or, or a uh, perception on the inside of the Lord wants you to say something to somebody? Uh, and, and uh, but he only tells you like one or two things to say. You know, well, that's you know, that seems kind of odd. You know, I just say that one thing, and it, that that seems like to be should be more. But a lot of times he only tells you one or two things because he wants you to step out in faith and to start speaking. And as you speak, many times the rest of those things will come along with that. Uh, and so you have to operate uh, the anointing of God in faith, just like any other thing you do with the Lord has to be done by faith. You have to believe that it's the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And that, that he is the one giving you the perception that somebody touched you. Now, see, Jesus, he, he was very secure in himself. He could just say that. And, and, and to him, it didn't bother him that he didn't know, that he didn't know all the information. He just knew what he knew. He knew that somebody touched him. That's all as far as he knew. Didn't know what, what for, where they were at, who, uh, what the gender they were. And finally, she, the, the Bible says that she came uh, and told them the whole story, right? And then he said, daughter, uh, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. So it was her faith that, that provided uh, access to the power that she needed to get whole, right? Uh, and so, so that, I thought that was just a really good example of the Lord Jesus. Um, about, uh, in fact, uh, one translation of, of uh, Luke 8.46, when Jesus said that, he said, Somebody had touched me, for I am sensible that my power was just now exerted. So he had a sense that power was exerted. So, again, uh, to, you know, to, to keep the balance in there, uh, it's, it's really easy for us to get flaky in these things, right? And start perceiving things that really don't happen, right? And so you have to have an absolute, uh, really there's two things that, that I always encourage people to do. If, if you want to learn how to be led by the Spirit of God, and we already mentioned one of them, which was always judge every single thing that you think the Spirit of God is telling you by the Word of God, right? Always make sure that it doesn't violate anything. Uh, and that would include having the desire to be seen, right? To be worshipped. Well, God tells me that you're going to be a millionaire, right? Well, wouldn't somebody like to hear that? They would until it doesn't happen, right? Uh, and so uh, a lot of times people will say things because they want somebody to see them or to, to uh, because they'll say things that, you know, can't be verified, right? 
Uh, God's going to be good to you this week. Okay, when is God not going to be good to me, right? Uh, and so, you know, you've got to be careful about some of those things because sometimes, you know, your own flesh wants to rise up and, and do things to be seen. Uh, and back in the healing revival, there was a healing revival from 1947 to 1958, and, and spectacular things were being were happening around the world, right? Uh, primarily in the United States, but it, it went around the world. And, and these uh, these healing evangelists would do spectacular healings. Uh, and just like the Lord, you know, sometimes the unction is, is there to pray for the sick and to see spectacular healings, but sometimes the unction or the perception is not there to do that. Uh, and so the Lord desires for, for the church then to, to go back to the Word, to teach the Word, right? But there were some ministers who were under so much pressure to perform. They, well, people expect it. In fact, they said, well, people are expecting me to do miracles. And so I'm gonna, if God's not moving, I'm just going to go fake it, basically, what they were saying, right? And they would just make up stuff, and, and they would end up uh, yielding to demonic spirits and do crazy things. But the problem was, was, was the root of the problem was, they uh, were under pressure to perform. Right? They were under pressure to be spiritual. They were under pressure to, to be the person with all the answers. And yet Jesus didn't have all the answers there in Luke chapter 8, right? They didn't know who touched him. Uh, and so you've got to be okay with, with limited information. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, so, th so number one thing, you've got to uh, absolutely um, uh, judge everything you do by the Word of God. Number two is you've got to be brutally honest with yourself uh, and, and just make sure that 100% of what you think uh, the Lord is telling you has got nothing to do with your own flesh and your own pride and want to be seen and want to be perceived as being spiritual. and that, that that's, uh, uh, takes a great commitment on your part to do that, amen, to, to make sure that I have no desire for somebody to worship me. I have no desire for somebody to, oh, you're so spiritual, you're so wonderful, you know, uh, you're the best pastor in the whole world, right? Oh, say that again. Go ahead, say it again, right? Uh, and and oh, you, oh, you'll fake it. Like, oh, no, no, I'm just a, I'm just a humble servant, you know. But you're kind of hoping really, well, you know, if you won't mind saying that one more time, though, it'd be okay, right? Uh, so you've got to be honest with yourself. And nobody will know that except for you and the Lord, right? Nobody will know what your desire is in those things. And so you'll have to, you'll have to walk that path on your own, right? Uh, and so, so that was one, one example. And then let's, uh, uh, let's go to the book of Acts, and we'll look at one more example here. Of Acts 17, we like I said, we go through a dozen examples, um, but there's uh, we'll just look at a couple here today. So in Acts chapter 17 or Acts chapter 27, um, so this is Paul. So of course, it's getting close to the. There's only 28 chapters in the book of Acts, so we're close to the end of the book of Acts. So Paul is on his way to the book to to not the book of Romans to actually to Rome, right? Uh, of course, right after the book of Acts is the book of Romans, but. Uh, so, so Paul is on his way uh, to Rome. So, of course, Paul had gotten saved in Acts chapter 9. He got filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 9. The Bible says that he, he thanks God that he speaks in tongues more than ye all. So he was Spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian. Uh, not unlike uh, the Lord desires all Christians today to be Spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians. Uh, and so uh, Paul is here. Uh, so he's on a boat. Remember the story, right? He's on his big boat. He's a prisoner. There's 200 and something, about 250, 260 prisoners on this boat, and they're all heading to Rome. Uh, and so, uh, so Paul gets up and tells them, he talks to the people in charge. He said, in verse 10, he said, And I'm, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be hurt and much damaged, not only of the letting of the ship, but also of our lives. Uh, and so, uh, so he, he was telling them that, uh, um, 
Uh, in fact, in verse 9, if you read verse 9, um, it says, Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. So uh, they were under pressure. They had stopped at this port. They were under pressure to get back underway. And Paul said, look, I perceive that if you continue on this path, that this voyage will be with much hurt and damage, not only the letting of ship, but also our lives. So he's warning them, right? But who's Paul? Do these people know Paul? They don't know Paul, right? They don't know who he is. He's a, he's a prisoner, right? What's he, what's he know? Uh, and so uh, it says in verse 11, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which are spoken by Paul. And, you know, that's kind of reasonable. I mean, in one sense, because who, who's going to know more about sailing than anybody else? Well, it would be the masters and owner of the ship, right? Not Paul. I mean, who's Paul? He's not a sailor. Now, but Peter, maybe. Peter was a fisherman, right? He didn't know about sailing. But Paul was a Pharisee. They didn't sail. I mean, they, you know, that's for the riffraff. You know, we don't, we don't fish. You know, what's that? You know, uh, so Paul was, you know, Paul was not raised as a fisherman like, like Peter. But Paul was uh, a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, I perceive. So he didn't say God spoke to him. He didn't say the skies opened up and, and the Lord uh, gave him a great revelation. He said he perceived, just like Jesus said, I perceive, right? So that perception is the same thing that Romans 8, 16 says, that, that he will bear witness with you, right? So it's not really loud. It's not really, you know, it doesn't shake the earth. It's just a perception, a knowing on the inside of you of something. And so Paul was, by this time, you know, Paul been saved for, for many years, many, many years by this time. And so he trained himself and knew, you know, when I sense that perception of the Lord, when I sense that there's something there, then, uh, Lord, do you want me to say something? And then he perceived that, it would, that, that he should say something. And so he told him, hey, you know, if we continue on, this is not going to be good, right? Uh, and uh, uh, you need to be prepared that, uh, just like with Paul, that people will not accept what you say. Uh, and they will reject what you say. And so did they, did they accept what Paul said? No, they rejected what he said, right? Because, you know, from a natural standpoint, Paul knew nothing. All these, these sailors, they knew, they knew the best. You know, they look out the sky and they can see if it's a good time to sail. And so, uh, and then uh, it says in verse 12, and because the, ha the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to uh, Phinice uh, and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete and lie toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence they sailed close by Crete. And verse 13 has gotten more Christians in trouble, right? Because what was their, what was their measurement to decide, is it the will of God to do something? They looked out the window and they said, it's a pretty day, it must be the right day to leave, right? Even the Lord gives you an unction, don't leave right now. And you look out the window, but look. I mean, it says right there, right, that, that uh, the south wind blew softly. And there's been a lot of softly blowing winds that have messed up a lot of Christians, right? Uh, because many times we're led by circumstance. We're led by what we see, right? Well, if the, if, if the boss gives me the job, I guess it's God's will for me to have the job, right? If the boss doesn't give me the job, I guess it wasn't God's will. Uh, we talked to some about that last week. Uh, and so... So we know the story, right? What happened? You know, of course, the, you know, the storm came up after they left. The storm came up and, and tried to destroy uh, the boat, and they were they were basically for for 14 days they were just lost at sea, right? Trying to it was dark, you know, for 14 days. Imagine no sun for 14 days, uh, and so uh, after after those 14 days, uh, come on down to uh, verse 21, and it says, uh, well, let's start in verse 20. It says, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope 
that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in their midst and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. I just love Paul, right? You know, people say, you shouldn't say, I told you so. Well, Paul said, I told you so right there. Didn't he tell him I told you so? I told you, you should listen to me, right? Uh, and so Paul did it, so I guess it's okay if we do it, right? Uh, you'll have to be led by the Spirit of God to decide if you can say, you should have listened to me, right? But he did that. He Didn't he say that? You should have hearkened to me and not have loosed from Crete and have gained this harm and loss. Now I exhort you, be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but, but of the ship. Now see, if they before if they listened to him, they would have not lost uh, the people or the ship. Now, you know, they've gone past where the Lord can provide mercy for them, and he, uh, he can save the people, but sorry, your ship. Now, you know, the ships were not easy to come by, right? It took many, many months, probably years, to build some of these things, and so it wasn't like you just go down to the, you know, to the, uh, to the ship store and buy a new ship, right? There was no uh, Bass Pros back then, and so uh, uh, they they were going to lose the ship. Uh, and so uh, he said, uh, if you listen to me, you would have not have, have loosed from Crete and have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you, be of good cheer, for that, that, that there shall not be any loss of any man's life but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I'm sir, whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. So now, you know, uh, this part of the story now is beyond uh, just the revelation of the Lord, right? It's beyond just being led of the Lord. He had a vision, right? An angel appeared to him and spoke to him face to face, right? So this is not the prevailing way that, that most of the time we will be led of God, right? Most of the time we'll be led of God the way Paul said, in verse 10, about I perceive, right? I have an unction. I have a witness on the inside of me that this is going to happen. But then later on, an angel appeared to Paul and spoke additional information to him, right? Gave him some more insight about what, what was to happen. Uh, and so he told now, uh, now he, they're all way more interested in listening to him now, right? Uh, I told you, you know, because you know, they thought, hey, we got a nice soft wind. It's time to go. And Paul said, yeah, I told you don't go, right? And so at least at this time, they are willing to listen to him, and they, they, they go on the story, and sure enough, the ship was destroyed. All the people were saved and, and made it to shore. Uh, and so, uh, uh, but the point I want to make here is uh, this is a, a different uh, part of the work of, this, of, the, of, of the Lord, right? This is an angel appearing to Paul. So uh, there's nowhere in the, in, the, in the Word that says that we shall be led by angels, right? So that means you can't believe God to be led by an angel. If there's no promise that that's going to happen, then you can't believe God for that, right? Nothing wrong with it happening, of course, but you can't, Lord, show me an angel, right? Uh, you can't ask him for that, but you can't say, Lord, lead me, because he said, I will lead you and guide you in all truth and show you the things to come, right? He said that, 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 uh, that as many as the sons of God, they are led by the Spirit of God. So by faith, you can say, well, Lord, I, I desire for you to lead me. Uh, and so that's fine, because we have biblical foundation for that, amen? Uh, and so... So we, we've got some more things I want to uh, talk about this uh, revelation of, of the Lord. Uh, but really what I, what I want to encourage you to do uh, is to go back to Romans 8.16 and, and, and just meditate on how that the Spirit of God that dwells in you will bear witness with you that you are a child of God. And, and just, you know, uh, just meditate on that a while and get, get to where you, you believe that, uh, that the Spirit of God is bearing witness with you. And that's really the first step to learning how to work with the Lord, amen? Learning how to work with the Lord in all that you do. Because you can work with the Lord when you're slinging a hammer, right? When you're driving down the road, uh, you know, um, uh, 
whatever you're doing, if, if there's an unction there, if there's a perception there, that uh, the Lord may may have you to go, you know, a different route to work. And well, why, Lord? You know, there's been uh, plenty of times, and and, and I'll, I'll tell you this, and we'll go. I remember years ago, I, I was headed uh, I was headed somewhere between here and there, and it was uh, uh, in January, and so it was really cold, and uh, it had snowed a little bit, uh, and um, uh, and so I'm just kind of driving. I was in my truck. I was just driving, and and um, uh, I kind of get to this fork in the road, and normally you would just t continue on the road and, and, and kind of bear left, right? Uh, but I just had an unction, you know, witness on each side of me, you know, take a right right here. It was kind of a shortcut, but it was a little narrow road, you know, and, and not uh, not normally the way that I would go. Uh, and I looked over there, and the road that I was on, there's no snow, right? The road that that uh, had the unction to turn on, you know, had about an inch of snow on it. So I would have had to slow down, right? It wasn't, a, wasn't treacherous or anything, but I would have had to slow down and um, and I thought, well, you know what? I ain't got time for that, right? I, you know, I got to go. You got to be somewhere, right? So I got this dry road here. I can stay on this road and get to, get to where I'm going faster. And you know, you you justify not listening to the spirit of God, oftentimes, right? Uh, and so, uh, so you know, I just kind of ignored that. Uh, you ever ignored an unction from the Lord, right? Wow, that wasn't God. You know, it can't be God because you know whatever we justify why it's not the Lord, right? Uh, now, would it have hurt to go down that road? It's not a it's not an ethical question, right? There's no nobody's gonna be hurt if I go down that road. So what we need to do is train ourselves to yield to that. If the Lord says do that, and it's not like, well, you need to go, you know, if you're going down to Chattanooga, well, you need to go through Nashville to go to Chattanooga. Well, you know, that might be you might question that, right? It seems really odd that you go that far out of the way. But this was not it was actually shorter distance, it would just wasn't a great road. And so so I ignored it and, and went around and and so you kind of went this curve and around that curve and over the hill. And when you went over the hill, then then you went to the stop sign, to the stoplight. Well, from the top of the hill to the bottom of the uh, hill, it was a sheet of ice. And there was a stoplight there. So I get over the hill, sheet of ice. Well, you know, I got four-wheel drive. You can have eight-wheel drive, ten-wheel drive. It doesn't matter, right? You can have all the wheel drives in the world. If it's sheet of ice, you got a sheet of ice, right? So I'm not going to stop. And there's a car stopped at the bottom of the hill. So, you know, now you have to figure out, what do I do, right? I'm not going very fast because it was, you know, a little snowy and cold outside, so I wasn't going real fast, but I was going fast enough. Uh, and so you, you start, well, if I maybe go around him this way and do that, but there's cars, you know, flying, you know, on the highway. There was a highway right there. And I, I could go around him, but then I could get T-boned by a car, you know, and scratch my car, mess, scratch my truck, and I want to scratch my truck. So, uh, so I mean, there's really nothing I could do. I ended up uh, rear-ending this guy, you know. Now, again, I was, by that time, I was probably going five, ten miles an hour tops, right? So we're not, not real fast and, and really didn't even do any damage to my, to my vehicle. Uh, we actually called a, a, a paramedics to just check to get the fellow was a little older, you know, but he was fine and nobody was hurt. Um, but the whole point of it was, you know, I had an unction, just a real uh, quiet witness to, to hang a right there, go down that road, and, and uh, all would have been well. I would have avoided that ice sheet on the road, right? I, I would have still gotten to where I was going. Uh, and, and so, but I learned from that. So what I learned from that is, you know, if it's just something that's just not a big deal, then just do it anyway, right? Train yourself to follow that witness, right? Don't be flaky and, well, you know, the Lord had me. You know, you can usually uh, look at something and decide how flaky that thing is, right? Because and, and, and the, the Lord's not flaky. And, and that's the hard part with, with charismatics and Christians sometimes. A lot of times we'll do things and it's really, really flaky, right? You know, the Lord told me to get up and and, and put ketchup on my scrambled eggs this morning, right? The Lord told you that. Oh, yeah. Appeared to me in a vision. Scrambled eggs with ketchup, really? 
Now, see, that can't be God, right? There's no way that could be God. I mean, because that's gross, right? And nobody, nobody does that, right? Anybody puts ketchup on the scrambled eggs? You know, don't show a sign of hands right there, right? Uh, and so, oh, would you do you? Oh, you do that? Oh, there we go. We got one witness right there. So, uh, it's a northern thing. I was born in the north, you know. Uh, and so, that's illegal in New Hampshire, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, but you know what I'm saying. So, you you've got to train yourself to. You know, not be really flaky, but that doesn't mean that God won't ask you to do some some really spectacular things. But you've got to train yourself, Amen. Uh, and and I believe that that we as a church ought to be the most spirit led group of people in the whole world, obviously, because we have the Spirit of God in us, and we ought to be the best people at whatever we do because we have the Spirit of Revelation with us everywhere that we go. We can have the perception of Lord, uh, uh, Lord. I'm going to say, don't do that. You know, uh, there's one other story I'll tell you, and uh, you know, I always get one more story right. Uh, but this fellow, he was about to go to work. He worked in the oil industry. And um, uh, so his job was he had to go up these oil rigs, right, and do things, whatever you do with oil rigs, and, and uh, climb up on these oil rigs and, and do whatever they had to do. And, and so one day he just had an unction. Uh, uh, you know, uh, don't climb up the rig today, right? So it wasn't on an oil platform like in the, in the Gulf Coast or anything. It was just in, like in Texas somewhere. Uh, and so he gets to work, and the boss says, hey, I need you to, to go up there and, and uh, you know, change out something at the top of this oil rig. And the guy said, no, I'm not doing that. So I said, why not? Said, I just, I can't, I can't do it. So you don't always have to say God told you or God witnessed to you. You know, in fact, very, very often, most of the time, I don't tell anybody what God is giving me the perception to do or not do because they already think you're crazy anyway. So he just said, I'm not doing that, you know. Uh, and so uh, this other guy said, well, I'm not afraid. I'll go up there. Uh, and, and so, of course, either you know, either he didn't get an unction, but he probably did, but he didn't listen to the unction. He went up, sure enough, a cable snapped and just it just took his head clean off, right off, right. And and so, uh, in fact, I think it hit the fellow that didn't go up there that he was supposed to go up there. Uh, it, not to be really gruesome or anything, but that's a pretty gruesome story, right? But the point of it was that the man had a witness to not to go up on this tower. And so, is there anything unethical about doing that? No. So just don't go up the tower, right? Train yourself that the Lord says don't do that then just don't do it, right? Because you can go tomorrow, right? It'll be okay to go tomorrow. And you and, and what you'll do is you'll train yourself that in these little things, because the way the Lord will always work, he'll always start you in little things, small things that really don't mount to hill of beans, like turn right there instead of going straight. You know, it's not going to change anything. Nobody's going to get hurt. You're not violating any ethics or anything. He'll, he'll train you with the small things so that when something major comes and the Lord wants you to do something really major, like tell the captain of the ship not to leave the port, then you'll have trained yourself that, hey, Captain, the Lord didn't appear to me, he didn't speak to me, but I have an unction, we don't need to leave right now. Uh, and of course, they still might not listen to you, but, you know, that's on them, amen. Uh, and so, we'll, we'll continue this next week, and we've got uh, uh, a few more things we want to talk about that. Uh, but that's the first step, uh, Romans 8, 16, that the, the Spirit of, uh, of the Lord will bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God, amen. And, and if you know that, you know, you're well on your way, amen. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you that you do, that you do live on the inside of us. And, Father, if you live on the inside of us, then it's your desire that we are led by the Spirit of God, Father. And you said that you would lead us and guide us into all truth, Father, and show us things to come. And so, Father, we thank you that as we train ourselves to do that, that we are able to, to bring to bear all of the power of the Spirit of God in our individual lives to advance your kingdom, Father, to increase the roles of heaven, to have a perception to help other people. And so, Father, we thank you for that. 
And just real quick, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, you know, if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus and, and you don't have the Spirit of God living on inside of you, uh, if you'd like to accept the Lord Jesus uh, and just uh, have him living with you and be on your way to heaven, uh, we'll be glad to pray with you and pray for you. Amen. So if, if you'll raise your hands, uh, we'll pray for you. Uh, get the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Get you on the way to heaven. Amen. Thank you, Father. And just, and just really quick, you know, earlier I, had, I, I did have uh, something else that the Lord wants to ask us as we keep our heads bowed. Just, uh, you know, if there's been times when you have accepted the Lord in your life and, and there had been a season where maybe you've not walked with him as closely as you, as you could have or should have, you know, there's no condemnation, uh, but, uh, you know, the Lord gave me that perception to, to ask anybody if they want to just rededicate their lives to the Lord. So if you'd like to rededicate your lives to the Lord, just kind of a refreshing with your relationship with him, uh, if you'll raise your hand, we'll pray with you and pray for you. Amen. Uh, you know, the Lord's not mad at anybody. He's not holding any grudges against anybody. Amen. Uh, and so if you'd like for us to just pray for you, just to get back with the Lord and, and, and uh, make sure that everything is good between you and him, uh, we'll be glad to do that. Amen. So anybody want to raise the hand and, and uh, just kind of uh, restore the fellowship of the Lord? Thank you, Father. Well, Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for being good to us. And Father, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to give uh, into your kingdom. And so, Father, as we give this morning's uh, tithes and offerings, we thank you that they're blessed. We thank you that it's, it's a blessing to give, and, and we thank you for the opportunity to give into your kingdom. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And um, is the Lord good? He is good all the time. Amen. And, um, you know, um, of course, it's, it's, uh, maybe it's my opinion, but, I, you know, I believe that this message about learning how to be led by the Spirit of God, learning how to work with the anointing of God, is one of the most important things you can do to uh, really have a, a great relationship with the Lord, but also be successful in all that you do. Amen. Uh, I think it's not being successful about financial things, about just, you know, having a good life. Amen. And avoiding danger and avoiding uh, uh, things that will bring harm to your life. Amen. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, and, and uh, receive the offering. And uh, so don't forget, next Sunday we've got our um, uh, church meal. Uh, and um, uh, and then, of course, th this afternoon we have healing school at 3 o'clock. And um, we call it healing school, and it's really the best kind of school because there's no grades, no tests, right? Uh, it's a pretty good school, right? Uh, we just call it healing school. We just we just teach on the subject of divine healing and living in divine health. Amen. Uh, and so we don't teach you, you know, all the green gizzard juice that you should drink and how many steps a day you should walk. That's between, you know, that's on you. That's outside the church. We, know, we go through what the Word of God says. Amen. Now, I don't care if you want to drink gizzard juice. No, no problem at all. You know, whatever works for you is fine. But that, you know, we're not here uh, in the church talking about that. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. We'll be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend, Lord, in your dismissal.